Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial-free versions of past episodes, podcasts, blasts from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today, folks, we are rewinding back to May the 9th, 2017. This was originally episode 2000, and it was called How Liberty Creates Inequality and Why That's Good. Again, originally published May 9th, 2017. Um, this is one of those shows that's very timely, given the things that have gone on this month. Um, and it, it is counter to what a lot of people seem to think, that you know we want equality for everybody, and freedom and equality go hand in hand. And they do and they don't. It depends on how you come at the concept of equality. If equality means to you, everybody has the same thing, then freedom is the ap is, will, will create the ap absolute opposite of equality. Freedom will create a tremendous layered system in how much people have. You will have people that have incredible, incredible wealth in a free system, in a free society. And you will have people that have very little. Because you will be existing in a meritocracy. If we have a system where you get what you earn and you keep as much of it as you want to, and the only way that you get anything is either you earn it or somebody deems you worthy of help, and no one can force somebody to help you, you're going to have a lot of inequality. And that's a wonderful thing. And we'll talk more about how that actually works Uh, when we go ahead and, and jump on back to that episode from 2017, what I want to give you today, though, is your your piece of you know your new content uh, going into things here, is your your step today, your stomp today, the thing I'm going to ask you to do that you're probably not going to want to do. And I think of all of them, this is probably a, actually a fairly easy one, but it's going to be one of those ones that has the most foot dragging. So hopefully you've you've made your lists. And then you wrote your how do I questions and you're reading them. And hopefully you read your you did read your how do I questions today, didn't you? You didn't? You didn't do it? You didn't do it. Really? You didn't do it. Okay, pause the podcast. I'll wait. Pause the podcast, go read your list. I'm not kidding. Go read your damn list from yesterday. Alright. Hopefully you did. I want you to start working on a financial plan today. Now look, I'm not talking about John Pugliano financial plan which this is where I'm going to have all my money allocated and things like that. The only thing that needs to be on this plan that has like that is this portion of my money goes toward investing in retirement and future savings. And then you can work with a good financial planner or you can do your own work as a financial planner because it's very hard to find a good financial planner because most of them suck. And, and that's, a, that's different than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your operational financial plan. How much money comes in, how much money goes out, you'll call that a budget. And I almost said, I want you to develop a budget. Except it's so much more than that. Because a budget is, I make this much, I spend this much, this is my, my plus or minus at the end of every month. Great first step. If you haven't already done that, you have not become a fully grown-ass man or woman yet. You should have done that a long time ago. Okay? 
A financial plan also includes things like, well, now that I got this list of how and this and this this list of questions of how do I, and I'm coming up with answers to it. What does it take to fund that? And how am I going to get that money? How am I going to get that money? Can I do it through the, the cutting of expenses, or the increasing of income, or both? And how am I going to do that? What expenses do I have that are not good expenses? How can I make them go away? Some of them might be as easy as let's turn that off. How many streaming services do you have? I'm not even saying to get rid of any of them, but you, you might want to know the answer to that. You know, I mean, you might have some streaming services you got because, like me, you wanted to watch Star Trek Picard, and then you binged it. Well, if you're not using it, cancel it. That's six bucks or whatever a month, right? If you have music services that are premium music services. If one gives you everything you want, get rid of the other ones. You know, I'll never let go of Pandora. I got too much time in training it, so I might have Pandora and one other one that's more of a listen to whatever you want whenever you want. But I'm not going to have six music services. And I know that some of you are going, well, why would you? Well, I'm just giving you examples. I'm just giving you examples here. I want you to get really serious about this. I want you to sit down and look at where your money comes from and where your money goes and how much money you need to get what you want. That's all I'm asking you to do. Like I said, exactly how you allocate your retirement savings is between you and your financial plan. That's not where I'm. How much goes into that bucket? Sure, sure. That's that's part of this. But how that bucket looks, that's fine. You don't need to worry about that today. I just want you to get a handle on your expenses, and I want you to start now evaluating. The answers to the how do I questions, and how that works with your money. Because let me tell you something, you're going to find that you have two different answers to how do I things. One is going to be there's something you can physically do to make the answer work. How do I get more food put in a garden? You might find that I don't need hardly any money at all to put a garden in. You might already have a shovel. You might already have organic matter in your backyard. You might live in a place with actual soil and not need to do a raised bed, so you don't need any money even for wood. Or you might need a little bit of money, but you don't care. You use scrap wood. You know it's going to rot in a couple of years. You don't care because you got it for free. You know you might be able to do it for almost no money, and it's a sweat equity thing. It might be simply a stopping thing. If you drink too much, stop drinking. I mean, yeah, that's see, and that doesn't really cost money. That actually makes more money come in, right? Or it's going to be that you have to buy it. You're either going to do it or you're going to buy it. You're either going to cease an action or take an action, and that's going to give you what you want, or you're going to buy it. If you want a diamond ring, I don't know why I thought of that. It was just to be some of this fully material. You're not going to make a diamond ring. You're not going to go out in the backyard, get a pick and shovel, and dig around till you find a diamond and learn how to cut facets. And you see what I mean? You have to buy it. If you want a house in Montana, you're going to have to buy a house in Montana. It's going to be a financial solution or a sweat equity solution. Many things will be a little of both, but you need to start taking those things, and then this is what that's going to do for you. Well, of all the things I want that cost money, 
this costs the least, and I have the quickest path to get there. But then you have to start asking yourself like a designer, because you're designing your life here in case you ain't figured it out yet. Does that actually further my larger goals? If it doesn't, I'm going to put that in the back of the line. You might find, well, if I just do these three things in my backyard, I might like my house a lot more, and moving doesn't even need to happen. And that don't cost me a lot of money. Well, that needs to go way up on the priority list. And I don't know, again, I don't know how any of this is going to shake out. But you need to start judging the financial capabilities against the answers to the questions. And some of those things will also be how I make more money in the financial plan than I'm writing today. This doesn't have to be sophisticated. I do recommend Excel and learning how to use the basic functions of Excel if you don't already know. My God, it's 2020. You should be able to figure out how to use Excel by now or whatever spreadsheet program you want, especially for the basic budget. But it amazes me how, how many people are out there 30, 40 years old. Can't seem to get ahead. Let me see your budget. Don't have one. What? Now, what you just told me is, well, I'm trying to get to Philadelphia. Can't find a place. Where's your map? Don't have one. What state are you in? Don't know. Which way is north? Not sure. Well, no shit you can't find Philadelphia. How the hell would you... First of all, why the hell do you want to go to Philadelphia? Sucks there. I've been there. Don't go. Okay? <laughs> There's some really cool things about Philly, too. I wouldn't go there right now, but yeah. Um, but you see what I'm saying? Like, you just say to somebody that told you that, like, I can't help you. I can't help you. You haven't taken the first step and trying to... You don't even know what way north is. You don't even know where you are. You're asking me how to get to Philadelphia. Go that way. Might as well tell you that. It'll do you as good as anything else, even if it's south and you're in Florida. You know? If somebody told me that, it's like, you know what I want you to do? That way's east. Is Philadelphia east? Don't worry about that. I just want you to walk east till your hat floats. I mean, that's that's really what you tell somebody like that. Well, that's how people live their lives. So put that financial plan together today. Figure out just the basics. And start figuring out what is going to cost to get what you want and start asking, add to that, how do I? How do I acquire this capital? How do I acquire the money for this? You might have already done some of that. But now we're going to get a little more specific. And that way we can start prioritizing. And again, I'm going through Lifestyle Design 101 during this insurrection series. Because taking control of your life is the number one step you can take to have insurrection against the systems. In the end, what I'm, I'm hoping that you'll figure out as we go through this together, that you will find in some instances that there are things in institutions or in society that are holding you back. And instead of sitting around and bitching about it and crying about it, that you'll just opt out of it and do something else. But I shouldn't have to. But you do. Remember the 13 stomp process? Well, there's your stomp for the day. But you do. But it's not fair that it doesn't matter. But if I could just, no one cares. No one cares. They'll tell you they care. They don't really care. They're just they're just having a pity party cry with you. They want to feel like you care about it. You don't give a shit about them either. You don't care. It's an excuse. But as you start to realize there are some real roadblocks. There are some institutional problems. Racism is a problem. It's nowhere near the problem it used to be. It doesn't mean it's not a problem. And those of you that don't think it's that you don't think that there's less racism today than there was 35, 40 years ago, you're young or stupid or both. 
Because if you were alive back then, you know that it's a lot better than it used to be. But that doesn't mean there ain't a problem. But, you know, if you look at, I wanted a career in broadcasting. So there's a hundred thousand reasons that that wouldn't work, and there were so many roadblocks. And when I decided I wanted to do that, I was in my late 30s. What do I do? Go to freaking journalism school? Broadcasting degree? Whatever? At 38? With a, with a kid graduating high school? Really? Did that make sense? No. So I opted out of the system and made my own system. And today people go, well, podcasting, yeah. It wasn't like that in 2008. You told somebody you're going to start a podcast to make a living off in 2008. They first question was, what the hell is a podcast? And the second statement would have been, that is the dumbest idea I ever heard. You're going to go broke. But I did it. Not because I'm great. Because the system works. Because if you do the shit that I'm giving you right now, in these two weeks, it works. It's like teaching somebody to make a fire. Put the tinder under there, put a little smaller fuel in, and add a spark, and you get a fire. Don't be a genius. You should know how to do it. I'm telling you how to do it. Here's where we're at so far. You should have determined what you have that you don't want in your life, what you don't have that you do want, where you really want to build your life, and what that place is like. You should have written your first series of how can I questions. You should be reading them on a daily basis. And today you should be developing the financial plan and budget to go along with it. If you ain't done that, it's okay. I know you expected me to just like stomp on you some more. No, it's okay. It's okay. But this is what, you know what people say? If you don't vote, you don't get to bitch. Bullshit. You don't have to vote to be able to bitch. The fact that anybody takes anything from you gives you a right to bitch about anything you want. But if you won't take these steps, you don't get to bitch about what you don't have. Well, you do. No one's going to care. And if you take these steps and you bitch about what you don't have, no one will care either. But you find yourself doing a little less bitching. With that, let's go ahead and rewind. Again, back to May the 9th, 2017. Episode 2000. How liberty creates inequality. And why that's good. It really is good. Um... I've been kicking around having this discussion with you guys for a while because I, I, I constantly hear people calling for equality and pointing to inequity as though it's a terrible thing. And as I said, there's a fallacy out there masquerading as a universal truth. And that's that our goal in society should be equality for all, that inequality should be eliminated, period. Politically, many people have many different views on how that should be done. However, the average person in our country would agree that inequality is a bad thing and should be eliminated. The problem that we have is, is, is basically changing the definitions of words. Um, so I know that I'm going to hear from some mathematically inclined people that say, Jack, actually, inequality is a mathematical function. Yes, it is. It's also a word used to describe something also called inequity. And inequity, inequality, and injustice have been lumped together to be more than synonyms, synonyms uh, in our language, in our society. In fact, if you crack open the Webster's Dictionary, you will see that the definitions are largely interchangeable. And, and the problem is we have forgotten you know, to actually look at the root of a word and say, what does it mean? Because that's important. And I'm not nitpicking here. This is actually very important to understand if we are going to be able to continue to evolve society toward a more fair and just society. 
And I am for a fair and just society. I'm just not for an equal society. I think an equal society would be a disaster. And maybe it'll start to make sense here. So let's define what is an inequity or inequality. What, is, what does that actually mean? Well, it's made up of two things. A prefix, in, I-N, which can mean many things, but in this context denotes a negative or not. So we can actually replace the, prequel, the, the prefix of in with the word not, and it means the exact same thing it does in the formation of this word from its root. And equality or equity or equal, okay, is the, 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 the component of being the same, getting the same result, or having the same things, having the same amount. So we would say that, that three is unequal to six. They are not the same. They do not have the same result. Three is three and six is six. They are not equal. However, three is equal to three. They are equal. They have equity. They are, about the, they are the same. If we put them together, ironically, we get six, which is an equal to half of itself for three. Does that make sense? Okay? You know, without getting too deep into the subject right out of the gate, just the, the basic meaning of the word. Things are not equal. I am not equal in height to Michael Jordan. He is taller than me. I am not equal to Michael Jordan in the ability to play basketball, even though he's long since retired. I'm sure he'd still school me hard on the, on the, on the court. Okay, I am unequal to Michael Jordan in many ways. There are things that he is probably unequal to me with. And there are probably areas that we have equality, true equality. So this all sounds very disturbing to people. When you say inequality is a good thing, and we should have more inequality. And the, the, again, the title of today's show is that liberty actually creates greater inequality. The more free a society is, the greater the inequality in that society will be. And that sounds terrifying until we bring in another word, injustice. In the word injustice, we have two words, the first being in. So, again, in in this word means the same thing as a prefix that it means in inequality, not. But justice means just or fair or reasonable, proper treatment. Justice doesn't just mean what the state does with a jury box and a judge and a couple lawyers. Justice means, is it just? In other words, if you work hard for something, and you have it because you worked hard for it, you rightfully acquired it, and somebody comes and takes it from you, then that's an injustice. And if something is done to restore your property to you, we say justice has been served. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the courts did it. In fact, often the courts are the worst to do it. Let's take it down and break it down to a child. I am running a daycare center. I tell all the children that the toys are available and you can go get a toy and play with it. And if someone picks up a toy and they're playing with it, if they want to share it with you, fine. If not, it's their toy to play with. Go find another toy to play with. Jimmy runs over and finds a toy that he likes. He sits down. It's a fire truck. He starts playing fireman with it. So Tommy comes over to Jimmy and says he wants the fire truck. And Jimmy says, why don't you sit down and play with me? And, and Tommy says, I don't want to play with you. I just want the truck. Since, since he's bigger, he pushes Jimmy down and takes the truck away. I, being an astute manager of my little preschool, see this happen, and I go over to Tommy, and I say, Tommy, that was wrong. You took the truck from Jimmy. Go give it back to him, or I'll take it from him and give it back to him myself. Jimmy, who followed the rules and acquired the truck under the rules, has the truck restored to him. Justice is served. Justice is served. There's other ways that justice can be served. Jimmy is playing with the truck legitimately. Tommy takes the truck away. Jimmy is capable of standing up for himself. 
Jimmy removes the truck from Tommy and says, we're not going to be doing this today. Justice has been served. Injustice is when people that do the same things are treated differently. Injustice is when the fruits of your labor are taken from you. And it doesn't matter how they're taken from you, whether it's the direct assault of a criminal who breaks into your house, the direct assault of, of someone who physically assaults you and takes them from your person, okay, or the indirect assault of the state that does it through taxation. These are all injustices. If you work really hard for something and you build something really significant and important and valuable and other people voluntarily choose to participate in what you're doing and someone takes it from you, well, then that's an injustice. And if someone says, well, because you've had more success than this person over here, even though we're going to steal from both of you, we are going to steal, steal from you in unequal ways. That's unequal but it's also an injustice because it's being done unequally by somebody with power and authority. Where if two people go out and both work really hard, they put in the same amount of hours, but one is smarter about how they do it and is more effective in the way they do it and therefore achieves greater things, that's unequal, that's an inequality, Company A has done better than Company B, or Entrepreneur A has done better than Entrepreneur B, and therefore has more, but that's not an injustice. The injustice is when a third party comes in and takes from Company or Person A and hands it to Person B to make them equal. That's how simple this is. And it's not something you're going to hear taught in our schools because it's very, very uncomfortable for people that actually make a living off of injustice in the name of justice or in the name of equality. So what I think we should do now is we should take a look at how the greater the, liber the liberty a society has, the, the more freedom a society has, the greater inequality will become. And, and let's not even put a judgment on it at first. Let's just look at the, the stone-cold facts about how this works. So if I create a society... And I say one of the first things we're going to do for greater liberty um, is we're going to eliminate all income taxes. There will be no income tax whatsoever on anybody. The poor, the rich, no one is going to be taxed on income. Now, this could also be done with reducing taxes, a more fair tax code, things like that. But for the example here, so that the, the results are extreme, so that the results can be extrapolated in a mind that has been conditioned to not do this, we're going to go to the extreme, which is not really that extreme, because until 1913, there was no income tax in this country. There just wasn't. Okay, so now we, we go back to that standard. There's no income. There's other taxes. All the other taxes remain. Government has to function with those tax revenues. Many of those tax revenues are actually going to go up, so the shortfall will not be the total amount of the income tax, right? But it will be something. So government itself will have to shrink. <clears throat> areas we can't even figure which ones they're going to be, but there will be areas that government will be less intrusive in the lives of people because they would have less money to spend. That, that makes perfect sense. Additionally, people would be free to keep the fruits of their labors. So if you went out this year and you worked really hard and you made $20,000, you get to keep all $20,000. Now, you can spend it however you want, poorly or wisely, but you can do that. If I go out and make $200,000 this year, I get to keep all $200,000 of it. Our inequality will continue to grow. At one point, 
you made twenty thousand and paid almost no taxes. I made two hundred thousand, and I'm going to pay about fifty thousand dollars in income taxes on that. When we factor Social Security in, which is also an income tax, by the way, okay, it's based on your income. So our inequity or inequality was twenty thousand versus one hundred and sixty thousand. The second they eliminated the income tax, which you didn't pay, and no, you're going to pay, you're going to pay your Social Security. So that's going to be about since you have a job and your employer's paying it for you to make if you're only making twenty grand, we'll figure that's the way that it is at about six percent, six hundred, twelve hundred dollars. So our inequality is about one hundred and forty thousand to about what eighteen thousand eight hundred. That's our inequity. Our inequity immediately goes to twenty thousand versus two hundred thousand. I now have a greater inequality to you, right? So we're we're less equal. Now it's going to continue to grow because your twelve hundred bucks, if you stay at that station in life and you don't do anything to raise yourself up from that station, you're happy with it. Um, the person that's making two hundred thousand a year is not going to stay at that station. I have just been given sixty thousand dollars. I am not going to just put that money into a box and sit on it. I'm either going to invest it in something for my future, or I'm going to invest it back into my business, or I'm going to use it to expand my business, or I'm going to use it to to establish an, a second business. I'm going to do. I'm not just going to let it sit there. I'm not going to just spend all of it. I'm not just going to be the guy that rolls around. I'm not going to take sixty thousand dollars extra this year, get it in one dollar bills from the bank, throw it on the bed, and roll around in it every day like the the, the the class warfare people would you lead you to believe. Well, what this will result in is greater inequality between yourself and I. Because I will use that $60,000 plus the capabilities and the knowledge and the intuition that got me to the $200,000 mark in the first place, and I will reinvest it, and I will make even more money next year that I will pay also no taxes on. And as my business grows or my portfolio of business or my investments grows, our inequity will become greater. And the more free the country is, the more that this is true. Now... Let's take a look at the other side. It sounds pretty bleak when you start. You start thinking, well, maybe these 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 you know tax and spend types or you know fair tax or some sort of tax. It, it makes sense because what about the person that's only making two thousand dollars? Well, they also pay no t- tax. See, we actually have equality in the form of justice. We are equally not stolen from. Now, if we wanted to have The closest thing to adjust income tax we could would might, might be something like we all pay 10%. The guy that makes $200, he, he, he pays 20 bucks. The guy that makes $2,000, right? He pays 200 bucks. The guy that makes $20,000 pays 20,000 bucks. The guy, or 2,000 bucks. The guy that makes 200,000 pays $20,000. We actually have, even though the voluntarist in me wants to call this theft, we have at least equal theft. All are being treated equally under the circumstances. Under the circumstances. So before we go further into this, let's back up and take a little bit more of an understanding of justice so you understand what I'm saying here because some of the purists out there are angry now because I'm endorsing a tax. I'm not. I'm using different models to explain what is just and what is unequal and how they are different. Okay. So now let's examine it this way. I break into somebody's house. I steal about $500 worth of stuff, and I go away. You break into somebody's house. You steal about $500 worth of stuff, and you go away. We both get caught. 
Our crimes are very similar. We've both committed the same crime. We've burglarized a structure. Because you burglarize structures and you rob people. That's kind of important, too, with definitions. You should know this. So we've both committed burglary, and we've both committed about the same value of taking property from others. If neither of us have, have any prior convictions, and both of us broke into an empty home so we didn't assault anybody physically, we didn't threaten anybody physically, we didn't put a knife to anybody's throat, we simply burglarized the structure, if the justice system is in fact just, and those things are fairly equal, if I go to jail for a year for it, you should go to jail for a year for it. If I get probation and they say you must provide restitution, in the value of $500 that you took from these people, and I'm forced to do that, and you get the same thing, we have a just system, even if it's not perfect. It is being applied equally under the circumstances. That's justice. Or that's one of the components to justice. If I break into a house, and not only do I break in and steal $500 worth of, of valuables, but I trash the house... I absolutely trash the house. I do thousands of dollars in damages to it. Then it would be reasonable that my punishment, if the system is just, would be greater than yours. But if you did the same thing, and you happen to be black and I happen to be white, and either of us, don't worry about how it usually goes, but either of us gets five years in jail and the other gets probation, there is no justice. And this happens all the time in our country today. For various reasons. It's not always about race or religion or, you know, sometimes it's pure money. Who has the better attorney? Who has the better attorney? Because the system is subjective. It's not just. Okay? That's justice. And equality and justice are not interchangeable, though they do play together. We can look at should there be equal treatment in a just system? Under circumstances that are also equal, yes. And we can just look at it completely the other direction. Now, neither one of us are criminals or thieves, and we're not stealing from anybody. And I go out, and I work 60 hours a week on my business. You also work 60 hours a week on, on your business. We're in very similar businesses. Should there be a system in place to make sure that our results are equal? Well, if you have you know, an IQ over like three, your answer to that would be no. You're in business for yourself. There's no need for a system. The market is the system. Because just because you're putting 60 hours a week in and I'm putting 60 hours a week in, don't, doesn't mean that we are working equally hard. Because hours in themselves are not a measurement of how hard you're working. Maybe per hour you get, if we broke it down to units, you get one unit accomplished and I get 10. So you might be working the same number of hours as me, but if I get 10 units... Across 60 hours, I'm getting 600 units per week accomplished, and you're getting 60. We should not get equal results. What if you're working so hard, you're making lots of units, but you have no idea how to sell them? I'm only getting 60 units, but I'm making my 60 units premium units, whatever they are, it doesn't matter, and I am also skilled at marketing my business well so that I'm selling all 60 of my units. Should somebody be forced to buy your 600 subpar units that nobody wants just because you worked hard to produce them? See, if we had an equal system, a true equality-based system, we would say everybody deserves the same thing. But if we have a just system, 
then nobody deserves shit, but you have a right to the fruits of your... What you deserve is the ability to keep that which you have earned. Now, this is why it's a great thing and we should stop trying to create equality because it incentivizes the best among us to do the best that they can. And in doing so, they serve their fellow man. There is a piece in our economy that we have to take out, and it revolves around the word capitalist, and it also revolves around the words meaning different things to the people who are saying them. Capitalism has legitimately at this point, because it's been so entrenched, two different definitions. One definition of capitalism is those that control the capital. And that doesn't mean they possess the capital. They actually control the, the, the creation and the uh, distribution of the capital, i.e. the banking cartel. These people are scared shitless because cryptocurrency is arresting that from them. Cryptocurrency is a market-based capital. The market decides if the capital's value, and it gets distributed based on merit. Nobody can sit there and say, well, I'm just going to make more. Well, they can, but then the market judges that and says, well, we like the one that defined exactly what it was going to do, like Bitcoin. And said, so this is how much there's going to be. It doesn't just make more. This, the, 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 we can make points within the system rather than have the system make more points. That's one definition of capitalism. And the actual astute liberal or astute socialist that uses the word capitalism means it in that way. The vast majority of people that think socialism and communism and liberalism and progressivism are good ideas don't mean it that way, and they don't even know that de definition. They think capitalism means free market. Now, here's the interesting thing. Most people that are for a free market also believe that capitalism means a free market. Or actually, free market's a terrible word. Open market is a much better word. So their definition of capitalism is that Jack Spirico should be able to start the survival podcast and be a capitalist in that he provides a service, receives payment for it, and is able to keep the fruits of his labor. So you have two people arguing about the word capitalism and they don't know what it means. They don't know what it means at all. And then we throw in equality and injustice and we make them the same and that's why everybody's confused and that's why everybody's angry and that's why everybody keeps fighting and they think they're fighting against each other but they're actually fighting for the same thing. We just have a different way of getting it done. That's, that's, you know, that's where we have this common goal of everybody should have equality. But when we don't have equality, we have only justice, then people that we, again, the reason I even got off on this tangent about the bankers is this is a fake system. It's not a market-based system. Anybody in a market-based system, okay, where the system itself is just, that becomes very, very wealthy, can only do so by providing goods, products, services, etc. that serve others. Because that's the only way you'll give them your money. Now, we can create fake systems that are lacking liberty and force people to spend money, and that's a different thing. We can say that everybody, and don't make this political, I'm just using random examples that are currently available. Everybody must have health insurance, and everybody should have equal fair coverage in health insurance. If you and I go to the doctor, we should be treated the same way. I say bullshit. Because what happens is the quality of care for all of us goes down and the cost goes up. The cost goes up. And the cost might go down for people that were already not paying it or paying very little for it, but the cost for people that were actually exchanging a fair value for value exchange goes up and their quality goes down. So there's very little incentive for the person that's getting poor quality care for nothing or poor quality care for very little money to work harder to afford better care. There's none. 
There's no reason for it. Why would I do that? I already have my Obamacare or Trump care or Medicaid or whatever the hell you want to call it, CHIP program, whatever. It doesn't matter. That, like, if I work harder to do better, I'll get the same level of care that I get now. So why am I going to work harder for it? Or school systems. It is, the, it is the case so far because the United States is a relatively free society compared to the rest of the world. So in the United States, we have greater inequality in education. Meaning that even though I think the whole public school system sucks, there is no doubt if you live where I do, your children will get a better education in their school system here than they will get if they live in South Fort Worth. Because it's a poor neighborhood that has less tax revenues and it's less desirable and less teachers want to teach there. Now, if we had a completely equality-based education system, we would move teachers around and balance all the schools so they all had the same quality of teachers. They would all be required to have the same exact amount of money to spend. And moving to a better neighborhood would not get your child a better education. But it would be equal. It would be, in the, in the, in the minds of the, the collectivist, it would be fair. But in the minds of anybody that actually believes in justice really believes in justice, instead of just uses the word without knowing what it means, it's inherently unfair. Why shouldn't my child benefit from my efforts that I worked so hard for and was actually successful and judged as being successful by the marketplace? Why shouldn't my child get a better education? Look at it another way. Let's say that I say to hell with this public school system and I have lots of money. And I go out and I spend... $50,000 a year on private education for my son. Shouldn't I get a better quality education than the one that he would get going to public school, quote-unquote, for free? Now, I paid for it, so there's a lot of other people, but they don't give me my money back. I mean, you see how that works. It's not like they say, well, uh, Mr. Spirico, you know, you pay about $4,000 a year in property taxes. Of that $4,000, about $2,100 goes to the schools in various ways. And you are no longer creating a burden with your child. You're accepting responsibility. Here's your $2,100 back. It's still there. But on intensive purposes, there's no extra out-of-pocket. So to me, I didn't have to spend that $50,000. Why would I you know, take a, a top academy and send my child there and spend $50,000 if I wasn't going to get a better education for them? Or at least in my subjective view, a better education. If you go to, the, if you go to a, 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 a car dealership, And they say, we have this car that's $18,000, and we have this car that's $50,000. You're going to make a decision largely on what you can afford, but if you could afford both cars, would you buy the $50,000 if you didn't feel you were getting more value for it than the $18,000 car? If all the cars looked the same, and they just said, these cars are $18,000 in this line, and these cars in this line are $40,000, which car would you like? They're completely the same. What one would you buy? And you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is there any difference in the warranty or how many miles are all? Are they all new? They're all brand new. They're off the, off the, the assembly line. In fact, they're all shipped in the same truck. And we just, as we bring them off the truck, we just pull one to the one side and one to the other. They're exactly the same. There is no difference. They're different prices. You'd say, well, hell, I want the $18,000 car. Okay. Well, in a just society, that would be your choice. However, what we've created in this society works like this. You decide it's time for a new car. In fact, you don't even decide it's time for a new car. Your old car is old enough that the state has said, no more car for you. You have to trade your car in and buy a new car. That's a mandated purchase. Or a tax is the same thing. So stay with me in the analogy here. 
You have to, Mr. Mr. Smith, you have had your car for 10 years. That is as long as you're allowed to keep a car. Go to the dealership and get a new car. And you say, well, which dealership? Doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're all equal. We have one, one car company now. It's called U.S. Car Company. Go there. And you walk in and they say, well, why are you here? I need to buy a new car. Well, get in line because we don't really give a shit because you have to. That's what happens to you. Does this sound just? Hold on. It gets better. So finally, your number gets called. You go up and talk to the guy that's trying to sell you a car. Instead of being nice to you and actually giving a shit about what you want, he doesn't really care. He's making the same money as the guy that only sells one car a month, even though he sells 100. So he has no incentive. Okay? So then you say, well, yes, I'd like to buy a car. And instead of saying what kind of car, he says, let me see how much you're going to pay for your car today. And he gets your income statement, and he looks at it, and he says, oh, Mr. Smith, I see that you do fairly well for yourself. You make $120,000 a year. You'll be paying $40,000 for your car. And you happen out of your left ear, a guy sitting next to you at the next station, and he's buying a car, and he's, his name's Mr. Thompson. The guy says, Mr. Thompson, I see that you're a little bit hard on your luck. You only made $16,000 last year. You'll be paying $8,000 for your car today. And Mr. Thompson says, I don't even really, I can't really afford that, so I don't want to buy it. They say, I'm sorry, Mr. Thompson, your old car is up. You have to buy a new one now, and this is how much it costs. He's going to feel that it's unjust, that he's being forced to buy a car when he doesn't want to. You are as well, but you're also going to feel further injustice in that he's paying less for his car even though he's getting the same car. That's why it's a great thing that we have inequality. Because without inequality, that's what you get. Inequality changes the whole quotient. Now, Mr. Thompson says, I'm going to go get a used car. Maybe it's my car that I sell private party before I go to buy my new car. I'm going to go down there and say, what do you have available? And they're going to say, we have all of these different things available. And I'm going to say, well, I'm really looking for an SUV. And they say, well, here's our Ford Explorer. And I'm going to look at that and say, that doesn't really look like an SUV to me. It looks kind of like a minivan took a dump. And they'll say, well, that's what we have. And I'll say, well, let me go down to Toyota and see what they have. And I'll say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Well, look at our special deals. And I go, I'm sorry. There's no one to stop me from leaving. So I go over to Toyota and say, show me a fully loaded 4Runner. And they say, here it is. And I say, you know what, I like that. What's, what's your terms on a lease and a purchase on that? And they say, here's your choices. And I say, I like this lease thing. This seems to make sense for me. No one comes in and says, you have to buy it. Or I say, you know what? $41,000, I start peeling off $100 bills. No one says I can't do it in a free society. And I get a much better car than you do. Because I paid more for it. Because I have the money. Because I worked harder and smarter. And let's talk about some other things that will never be equal. Natural talents. Natural talents. I have it in my capacity, if I really want to, to become a multimillionaire. If, that, if, it's important enough to, if it was important enough to me, I would be worth $20 million already. Instead, I've chosen to build wealth in a much more slow way because I love my life and I have, therefore I have a lifestyle business. I've made that choice for myself. But I could be worth a lot more money. Even with just what I'm doing, if I was willing to make certain deals that I'm not willing to make, or if I had chosen to take money and instead of just offering help from people, like, I'll do it, but I'm going to charge you for it, I've turned down hundreds of thousands of dollars over the nine years I've done this show. But it's my choice. And it wouldn't have been wrong for, for me to have done those things if I wanted to, or if they fell in my moral compass, as long as they weren't hurting anybody or lying anybody, deceiving anybody or stealing from anybody. Okay? 
And none of them really were. They were just things I didn't want to do. Because I personally thought it was bad for me long term and thought it was the wrong thing to do for my audience. But I've made that decision. So I could, I have the potential to be worth $20 million. I don't have the potential to play baseball or football or hockey and make $20 million doing it. Or basketball. Michael Jordan, I don't know anybody, I don't watch basketball, so I don't know people that play now, but Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, right? Magic Johnson, right? All these people. Will Chamberlain, Danny Ames, you know, Larry Bird. I'm showing my age, I guess, right? All these people were born with more natural talent for playing base basketball than I am. You look at baseball, show my age again, you know, Don Mattingly, Wade Boggs. These guys could hit. One guy could hit a lot. One guy could hit a lot plus hit home runs. But the other guy could drop a ball down a third base line with a bunt and advance the runner and get his own ass to first base, right? These guys were phenomenal at what they did. I can't do that. In an equal society, if I want to play baseball, I should be allowed to, and a place should be made for me to do it. And by the way, I should get the same money that Don Mattingly or Wade Boggs got if we were playing in the same time. Or, let's say I was good enough to play baseball, and I just barely by the skin of my teeth could stay on a team. I had some fielding skills, so as a, so as a decent uh, shortstop, and my batting was weak, but it was good enough. You know, it was a two, 239, 245, somewhere in that range. I was able to just hold that enough, and with my fielding skills, they kept me on a team. Should I get paid the same as a Don Mattingly or a Wade Boggs? I, I, I think you would say no. Right? Why should I? See, this is why it's great that we have inequality. But it's also great that we don't even have equal opportunity. I mean, that's something I used to say all the time, and I realized the trap I was falling into. Everybody should have equal opportunity. I think we can all have equal opportunity, but under the circumstances. So what I mean by that is everybody should have the equal opportunity to pursue their dreams based on their time, talent, desire, and, and work ethic. But if we just say equal opportunity, how can I ever have equal opportunity with Wade Boggs? I can't see out of one eye. I can't see out of one eye. How can I ever, should, should somebody be required to give me a bionic eye so that I'm as good as Wade Boggs so I can have that so we have equal opportunity? Or should equal opportunity mean effectively guaranteed inequality? And I say it's the second one. True equal opportunity, rather than what we've been taught to believe that it is, should create inequality. Both you and I should have an opportunity to work for Ford Motor Company. Okay. But we shouldn't be guaranteed that we'll get the same results. Not even after we're hired, but even being hired. Somebody doesn't get the job. Somebody doesn't get the job. Why did I get the job and you didn't? Maybe I had more experience. Maybe I was more impressive. Maybe the guy that hired me liked me better. I, I resonated with him better. Maybe he thought I would fit better in the corporate culture. Maybe you don't speak English well. Well, that's unfair. No, it's not. Especially if my job is talking to people who speak English. This is so simple to understand, and yet we've been so twisted as a society that right now, if you played what I'm saying right now to a bunch of millennial college students, they'd be all be triggered right now, flipping out and protesting me outside of my house. Good luck with that, guys, anyway. 
women should have equal opportunity to men. No. They don't have equal opportunity, and they never will. And men will never have equal opportunity to women. It can't happen. Sometimes it's a sexual thing, because men can be dumb and easily led by an attractive woman. Here's a perfect example. I was watching some videos on YouTube, and I happened to be checking out one of my old videos on composting. And saying, yeah, I can change things a little bit in my production. But I noticed over in the related videos, there's a video of a girl making compost. She's probably in her early 30s to late 20s. Very, very attractive, wearing Daisy Duke shirt, shorts. Her video has three quarters of a million views. My video that's been out there for years has like 10,000 views. I'm not going to have equal results to her, even though my content on how to make compost is better. Well, that's sexism. No, that's people being attracted to what they're attracted to and wanting to see that. That's what that is. That's, that's exactly what that is. And that's okay. Now, should I be, re should YouTube be required to make some of the people that click on her video to see her video, redirect them and force them to watch my video so that we can be equal so everything is fair? Or should the composting association come in and say, Mr. Spirgo's methodologies are superior, he should outrank this person even though they're more popular. And people should be forced to see his video before they can see her video. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Men are physically stronger than women. If the job requires physical exertion, the average man has a greater opportunity to succeed in it than the average woman. You can send me a picture, if you want to, of some steroid-infused woman lifting weights. It doesn't change the law of averages. And if it did, did, there would be women playing professional Major League Baseball right now, right alongside men. What prevents that isn't an unwillingness by the league to let women play. It's that there's no woman talented enough to do it yet. There may be someday, and it will still be the minority because it's a physical game. It's a physical game. But if we want equality, we need to fix that. We need to rectify that. Have you ever noticed that when they say, we don't have enough women doing this or that, they never say, we don't have enough women mining coal. Right? We don't have enough women coal miners. We don't have enough women garbage men. No one has a problem with the fact we don't have enough women garbage men. You know, most of the people that do landscaping work in Texas, especially general laborers, are Hispanic. Why? There's a huge surplus of labor available from that demographic that's reasonably skilled and willing to do the work for the money. But we don't hear people saying, you know what we need? We need more white guys pushing lawnmowers and running leaf blowers in Texas because there's too many Hispanics. Only when it is the despised, successful group do we say we need more of something other than them. And it's because people have predispositions to be good at things. There are men out there who are scrawny weaklings that the average woman could beat the hell out of. There are women in the upper level of physical capability that could beat the shit out of men in the lower physical capability. But the overall law of averages is if I just pull 20 men off the street and 20 women off the street and say, okay, team one men, team two women, fight it out, the women are going to get their ass beat. No one wants to say it, no one wants to admit it, but that's the way that it is. But if I pull 20 random men off the street, 20 random women off the street, and I give some type of thing that involves a, a social attribute, let's say, who can go into a, a, a room, not even a bar room where it's like a sexual thing of picking people up, who can go into a, a chamber of commerce mixer and come away 
with more appointments if you're doing the same job. Let's say financial analyst or financial advisor. Likely, the women will win. The women will win. Why? There's going to be probably more men there than women. Women are going to inherently trust a woman more, and men are going to be more open to being approached by a woman because that's how men are. That's wrong. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it is. And all of these things are true in society, and you can't fix it because it's not broken. And if you, if you did, quote-unquote, fix it, you ruin everything. I mean, let's take, let's take a look at, well, what would a society built on equal justice look like? And again, remember, when we say that we're so programmed, I guarantee you that when I said equal justice, more than half of you saw the, 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 the Lady Liberty with the scales, the blind justice statue, holding the thing out. Or I said justice, and you heard that ding, ding from uh, the, 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 uh, the show, what is it, um, Law and Order. Or I said justice, and you saw a courtroom. I said justice, you saw handcuffs. Something like that. More than half of you. Probably more than 80% of you. Even those of you that are following along and tracking with me, it's still so programmed into you, there was some picture of it in the back of your mind. That's not what we're talking about. When we say justice here, we're talking about the fact that everybody is treated equally under the circumstances. That if you make $100, it's your $100. If I make $100 million, it's my $100 million. That if I punch somebody in the face and you punch somebody in the face and the circumstances under which it occurred were the same, that society treats us equally. They don't treat me differently. But if the circumstances are different, maybe that's nothing to do with race or religion or sex. If I'm a big 210-pound man, and I go punch somebody in the face, and that somebody is a five-year-old male, and you're a 150-pound male, and because you're upset with another person, you go punch another 150-pound male in the face. No sexism here. Everything's equal the same. Two men. But I was much more physically capable when I harmed a child. And you were approaching somebody that was an equal, and you had some sort of actual disagreement that maybe you shouldn't have went to violence, but we can understand in the situation that you would have been upset and angry, and some of us could at least see that we might have broken too. Even if you're wrong and you force some, face some sort of punishment, shouldn't my punishment be more severe? We shouldn't be treated equally, even though we did the same thing. There were different circumstances. So when I say justice, that's what I mean that relative to the circumstances, people are treated the same way. And, and theft is wrong. You would have people wealthier than the wealthiest people you can imagine today. There's no doubt about that. The, the wealth of the upper 1% would grow exponentially. Oh, no. Hold on. That the, the way wealth works, the way money works, the way an economy works... Somebody having more does not inherently mean that you have to have less. Because either the volume of currency increases in a system like we have, or the value of currency increases in a system like Bitcoin or gold. If the rich hoard their money, don't spend it, don't reinvest it, and there's a shortage of currency, the value of, let's say, a dollar increases. We have deflation. If they do spend their money then we can find a stasis. Or if they're spending their money but not enough of it, 
We might have modest inflation or modest deflation. But one way or another, the system itself self-rectifies. It's only when somebody gets in and starts changing the rules and starts mandating things within a market that the wealth disparity actually becomes a negative thing. Well, what about the people that are just poor as shit? Okay, there's always been people that are just poor as shit. There always will be people that are just poor as shit. If you're a Christian, you know that, that Jesus told you the poor will always be with you. It's a constant. And a war on poverty has created more poverty. The more we've attempted to make everything the same, the more poor people we have. They might have a better standard of living than the poor in the past, but there's still more of them. There's still more of them. And they don't have a better standard of living because of the war on poverty. They have a better standard of living because of technology. They have a better standard of living because in a developed nation, you have a better standard of liberty living than in an undeveloped nation. Poor or not, doesn't matter. You're still better off in a developed society than an undeveloped one. And that's a technology thing. That's not a government thing. A society built on justice would, yes, have a huge disparity of income. But everybody would have a shot. Everybody would be able to figure out what it is that they can contribute and go out on equal footing with anybody else in their world and compete equally and fairly. Now, equal competition doesn't mean equal results. Here's what it means. That if you want to, like we talked yesterday about the whole Rover thing, and I have a big update for you guys next Monday on good news out of that one. But the lady that was a dog sitter, And the rover allowed her to make a pretty good income dog-sitting people, dog-sitting dogs at her home. The kennel corporations got upset with it. Big Kennel came in and said, hey, we have all these regulations, laws, and rules we have to follow. She's not. She's cheating. And all these rover people are cheating. They need to have to put in you know, concrete floors and the same stuff we do to keep a dog in their house, which is retarded. It really is. Oh, if that word politically offends you, I can't help you. Turn the thing off. Go away. I'm, I'm sick of being politically correct. I am so sick of it. I am absolutely freaking tired of it. Okay? And I believe in justice, so if you don't like the way I talk, go somewhere else. Okay? So anyway, that's ridiculous. So what they said was, make her have the same oppression that we have. Because they knew in that situation it gave them an advantage. What if we didn't regulate them either instead of exempting because what we've now we've created another injustice rover in colorado because now common sense prevailed rover has a tremendous advantage over the kennel industry because that one lady that if you started up Susie's pet sitting at home and people brought you their dogs and you took care of them the big kennel company would never come after you because how many dogs are you going to keep in your house Seriously, even if you kept a lot, you're like 10, and you stay fully booked. You don't really make a dent in that big industry. But when something like Rover comes out, and there's a 1,000 or 2,000 of you in your state, or 3,000 of you, or 10,000 of you in your state, well, now you're actually affecting their bottom line. So they come after you. But now that it's been said that, hey, they are allowed to do this, I would say an injustice exists because the kennel companies are having to do all this shit that Rover doesn't. Now, unlike the typical bureaucrat that's for equality and collectivism, I don't want to drag everybody down and make them the same. What I would want to do is say, hey, I think people know when their dogs are being treated well and when they're not. 
And I think if a, a kennel is doing things in ways that I th that, that are unsafe and, 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 and you know not right, and and not doing the things that should be done, if we remove the facade of state protection, so people know that kennels are independent businesses with no state regulation or oversight, that they'll be more selective. There won't be a certificate that this, the state of Colorado says this facility is okay. So they'll have to make their own judgment. So they'll be more likely to read reviews and things like that. And then the sharing economy model of a rover with independent business people all over the state, you can pick and choose who you want, will have to directly compete with the large kennel that's down at the thing that can house up to a thousand dogs. And then it's a, then it's a just fight. Then it's a, it's, it's not even a fair fight. It's just a just fight. A fair fight means that both sides are reasonably well matched. That's why we have, you know, a heavyweight division in boxing. We don't have a 220 pound guy climbing in the ring with a 100 pound guy. We just don't do it. But he knows ninjutsu and shut up, he'll get his ass kicked. Let's not be stupid here. Okay? But in business, there should be no fair fighting. That's how innovation happens. Think about it this way. I don't remember what year it was. But Jimmy Buffett even wrote a song about this. It was called Take It Back. For years and years and years, there was a race, a yacht race, called the America's Cup. And the United States won like every single time. We just had the best people in this yacht racing thing. We lost one year. We lost our edge. We lost. We lost the Australians. The Australians beat us. It was fair. Everybody had the same boat. Do you think the Americans said, you know what we need to do? We need to work harder on being able to crank our cranks and spin our masts and whatever, because I don't know sailing, whatever it is you do to, 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 to pick up our speed. They said, let's, let's look at these rules and see if there's any room to innovate here. It turned out there was absolutely nothing that said that you had to use a boat of this type and this depth and this size and this weight that The rules actually didn't specify what kind of ship you had to use in this race, other than certain things about how many people had to be able to carry and what size crew was. But there was really nothing that said that your boat had to be these old-style sailing yachts they've been racing for 100 years. So the next year, without telling anybody that they were doing it, and they roll it out right at the beginning where there's no time for anybody to respond to it, we show up with a freaking catamaran. A catamaran. A freaking cat. You know what a catamaran is? The boats with a big sail and a two big pontoons on both sides. Very, very lightweight. Very, very fast boat. Now, the rules did say you couldn't have a boat with a motor on it, but it didn't say you couldn't have a catamaran. Was it fair? Well, it was just, but it wasn't equal. No one that year had a chance. No one that year had a chance. There was no way anybody was going to beat the United States at the America's Cup that year. Right? Real quick, I'm going to play a little bit of this song for you here, just to, to, to give you some uh, feeling of this. And I'll come back and finish up the show. Take it back. 
Okay, so that gives you a feeling of what I'm talking about there from his song, right? Don't want a bucket of blood, just blood, just a. Don't want a bucket of blood, just a cup, like the America's Cup, right? And Captain Kangaroo, the Australians, right? So they're a very clever artist, Jimmy Buffett, right? But my larger point here: what happened when the Americans came in with that catamaran? Yes, they blew the rest of the field out of the water. Well, what would have been unfair? What would have been an injustice? would have been if the judges would have said, um, you didn't tell everybody you were doing this, so you can't do it. That would have been an injustice. Or if they would have said, hey, America, we don't want you to lose. So we're changing the rules so you can use a catamaran. That would be unjust. If the judges, if the people in charge had even said, hey, do you guys know that if you used a catamaran, we'd have to let you, that the rules don't actually prohibit catamarans and then didn't tell anybody else these would all be injustices but justice was everybody has seen the rules they've been around for a hundred years we you look at them you interpret them and you say aha there's an advantage here so what happened next year is everybody showed up with catamarans and the entire speed of the race went up with technology That's what happens when you have a just but inherently unequal society. Inequality leads to innovation as people try to keep up with each other and try to do better than each other and try to improve their station and their lot in life. And as you try to improve your station and your lot in life, if you're doing it with justice, not social justice, but true justice, the only way you can succeed is to do it for other people. No one makes you listen to the survival podcast. No one came out and said, hey, you know what? We got to make sure this Jack guy is successful. That's what they do in regular media. That's why they hated podcasting when it came out. That's what they still don't understand. That's why all these major uh, media people have podcasts today and their podcasts suck. Because the podcast, they just record their, their, their radio show and throw it up on a feed. No one listens to it. Well, I mean, someone listens, but no one listens. If you think about. Some of these people and how big they are on radio, and you look at their ratings on their podcast, it's pathetic. Why? Because they're competing in a different technology. It's not fair what we do here. If you look at it from the old paradigm, I don't have any rules. The FCC says the radio host can't use words like shit and ass, and I can. I can occasionally even let the occasional F word out that I choose not to, but I can, and there's nothing anybody can do with the F about it. Well, that's not fair. I have access to forms of entertainment that they don't. The radio host, he has to fit his show into an hour or two hours and make time for sponsors and stuff like that. I don't. I can do a show that's 20 minutes one day and two hours the next day. The only, buddy, the only people that judge me is you. I own my content. I can repurpose it. I can license it. I can rebrand it. Or I can make it open source. I can do anything I want. The radio show host is controlled by the radio stations and the FCC. It's not fair. But because technology evolved beyond radio, it is fair. I don't have access to the FCC-controlled airwaves unless I agree to comply. So I don't. But I still have access to your car stereo because technology. Because of an FM transceiver or because of a direct plug-in from your smartphone or because of some other technology that you're using that allows you to access an Internet feed from your car. See? But it's unequal. But it's not unjust. And that's 
where we all need to be headed. And the reason I did this show today is I want you to stop trying to argue with people, your friends, family, acquaintances, about how you can achieve equality through liberty. Because you're, you're fighting a losing argument. Even though you're probably more astute than the person you're having the argument with, in the end, they are right. We cannot guarantee equality in, frankly, anywhere. There will always be people that rise above others. But we can't even uh, guarantee or provide the conditions that will allow for basic equality. In a, in, a, in a place with true liberty. The two are, are, are counter to each other. Can you imagine the next time you're talking to somebody about this and you talk about libertarianism or voluntarism or stateless society or even just dramatically reducing the size of government, minarchism, or even good old-fashioned, true uh, classic liberalism or true conservatism, all of which are better than what we have, by the way, right now. Okay? All are better than neo-fascism. And pseudo-socialism, which is what we have, okay? All of them are. Um, but you have anybody, so no matter where you are on that spectrum, you're having that conversation today. But I want everybody to have equality. You say, well, it's never going to happen. And by the way, if we go my way, there'll be less of it, and that's a good thing. See, one of the ways that you actually engage in debate and have success is by, number one, don't argue facts that aren't facts as though they're facts. So saying we can have a libertarian society with greater equality is, is, is not factual. So how can you win the argument? You might even win the day of the argument by making a very, a very well thought out or very well put together case and changing the definitions of the words, committing the fallacy of moving the goalposts yourself to what equality means. But if we look at the root of what equality is, equal, human beings are not equal. Our founding document says that we're created equal. But that founding document means that we're created equal in the eyes of God. We're created equal in the eyes of God. From a standpoint of we should all be treated justly and fairly. But not that we all should have equal talents or equal results or even equal opportunity. I mean, equal opportunity sounds like a good word, but again, just think about it. Do I have equal opportunity to be a fashion model with Cindy Crawford? Okay, yes, she's a woman, and she's pretty old for the fashion model scene. I don't know that scene, so it's the person I can think of. Cheryl Teagues would be the other one. I'm old. I admit it, okay? But pick a guy, and let's go back to 1990 when I was right out of high school, 17 years old, and pick a guy that was a fashion model, you know, young, 17, 20 years old. Did I have equal opportunity to be a fashion model with him? No. No, I have a face and a voice made for radio. That's why I do an audio podcast. Okay? So how can, how can we say that I would have equal opportunity? But what people really want when they see equal opportunity, people that are genuine, is equal opportunity to find that which will work for you. But even that's not going to happen. You have to, you have to create opportunities if you want the best opportunities available to you. And that's why those that create them will always have greater opportunity than those that do not. If I am born to a wealthy, uh, family, I have greater opportunity in many things. 
But if I was born to a poor family, which I was, I have greater opportunity in other things. Because that struggle will give me an edge over you. I promise you, the kids that were born to wealthy families who went to the best colleges and had everything available to them, had opportunities I'd never see. But at 30, there was a hundred things I could beat their ass at, and I'm not talking physically. Better salesman, better marketer, better entrepreneur. I had less opportunity but got a greater result than many of them. Why? Because I created other opportunities for myself, and many of them squandered the opportunities they were given. We have now called these opportunities privileges. Privileges are permanent, so long as an authority dictates they are so. That's a privilege. Privileges are things that allow you and afford you things that other people will never have because of some sort of outward authority. Michael Jordan's ability to play basketball is not a privilege, it's a talent. The fact that I'm smart is not a privilege, it's a talent. It's lucky for me, it's fortuitous. But it's not a privilege. It's an opportunity because there's plenty of smart people that don't have a pot to piss in. And there's plenty of dumb people that have really nice lives. Because it comes down to who will take the greatest opportunities and who will create the greatest opportunities. So stop ever trying to make the case that we should be equal or that equality should happen or that everybody should even have some basic arbitrary minimum standard of existence that we decide is the right minimum standard. What is the minimum standard? Who gets to say it? And if there's a minimum standard that's required to be provided to somebody, doesn't that mean that those of us who work hard and do well are required against our will to provide it to them? How long before that number starts to outnumber us? How long before we say, well, the hell with it. If we're all going to be equal, I'll just go do that. Equality is not what you've been taught it to be. Inequality does not equal injustice. The two are not equal. So stop pretending that they are. With that, I hope you enjoyed our show today. I know it's a little different than the types of shows I usually do. And uh, hopefully it's challenged you. And hopefully it's given you new ways to discuss these ideas with other people in your lives. And if you uh, like this show and the work that we do, one of the ways you can support us is to do your shopping through tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z.com. T-S-P-A-Z.com, when you go there, you'll see a link you can go over to Amazon with. When you get over to Amazon, you can then uh, take a look at their deals of the day. You can search the site, and uh, you can find the things that you're going to buy anyway. And if you do that by going through our affiliate link, you're able to help support our show and the work that we do. I also put up an item for review every day, and today I have one of the top-selling items from 2016 through our Amazon affiliate uh, program, and uh, but it was never an item of the day. It was simply an item that I mentioned several times in shows, and it is a book called The American Boy's Handy Book, What to Do and How to Do It. And I first discovered this book all the way back in about 1997, I think. I had a guy that worked for me. His name was Kurt Nothnagel. Uh, he was uh, quite a bit older than me. He was part of the crew that I ran out at Lockheed. We got along really well, though. And uh, so much so that he was a guy that would occasionally come by my apartment and have a beer or two with me. And um, one day he said, I've got something, you know, from all the times we've talked, I think you'll love this. I got it from my grandfather. And it was this old book, and it was pretty worn out, but yet, I mean, it was readable. Like, the, the cover was rough and all. Some of the pages were kind of like, you have to keep pushing them back in there, but you could read it. And it was this book. 
and it was originally published in 1882, and he had an original one from the 1880s. And uh, I looked at this book, and I was fascinated by it, and I tried to get him to sell it to me. He wouldn't sell it to me. And uh, it had stuff in it, like it, it taught you how to make this thing they called a sling bow. And I know a lot of you know who Dave Canterbury is, and a sling bow is like a wrist frog and slingshot. And no, no, no. This was like basically you take a sapling, and uh, you tie a string to it. It's a relatively short string. And you made an arrow that you actually hooked the front, kind of like an atlatl, but not. And uh, like a forward atlatl, sort of. But then you, you held the arrow by what would normally be the knock, And then you pointed your switch, your switch stick, at your target. You pulled back, and you shot with just one side of it. So I, I made one of these and actually killed a couple rabbits with it. And it doesn't have a lot of impact, so you had to have a really sharp you know, arrow that actually would penetrate. And, and there was a lot of stuff in this, tying knots, all kind, how, to, how to make boats. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And some of this stuff is things that, like, you know, your politically correct types today would lose their minds over. That's all the more reason to have a copy of this book. Here's my one caveat with this. Do not get the Kindle version. I love Kindle books. Um, I have endeavored in my life to eliminate as many hard copy books as I can. They take up space. They use resources. They're heavy. They're bulky. Uh, there's just not a lot good about hard copy books if a good electronic copy uh, exists as an alternative especially with the technology that we have today uh, where those books are easier to use and do things other ones I love Kindle books but this book's been around so long it's in the public domain that means that people can reprint it so the Kindle version is basically somebody scanned it and it sucks if you read the negative reviews on Amazon all of them are like the Kindle version sucks I didn't even find a negative review that was really a negative review of the content of the book, except one by, by some woman who was upset that if her children did this stuff, it would be dangerous. I don't think you get the point. It's from the 1880s. It is counter to our modern-day stupidity. So her review does not get factored into my opinion of this book. I really recommend you check it out. I do think it's a good book for parents and grandparents and uncles and stuff to go through with their kids and put a little supervision in with it. It is a different time. Not so much that they might hurt themselves, but they might get themselves into trouble without some guidance. Um, and I do think this is a good book to work with young girls, too. However, I haven't read it yet, but I will be getting a copy because my granddaughter will be coming up in life soon. There is a, a, a girl's version called the American Girl's Handy Book. I think both of these would be worth having from a standpoint of historical context as well. What people thought and did back at the time. Fascinating, including how to make a hot air balloon that uses real fire. All of that is in the American Boy's Handy Book. You can find it at tspaz.com. Click the link to see the reviews. Or get on our email list so you always get updates when we put shows out and when we put out items of the day. How do you do that? Go to the survivalpodcast.com, click subscribe, fill out the form, and you'll be on our email list. With that, let's get to our song of the day. Today's song of the day is kind of a it's a hard song if you if you like the guy that, that, that sings it, and I do. I'm a huge fan of Warren Zevon. Um, I first discovered Warren Zevon many, many years ago. Uh, I hung out with some guys that we used to hang out at the bowling alley. Because uh, we could get there. <laughs> I'm talking being a teenager now. And uh, we used to play pool there. And there was a buddy of mine named Joe Bosack. And we had a, a, a jukebox to kind of date this, right? It did use CDs, okay? But it was a jukebox. And, you, and he played this song called Werewolves of London. And he loved to play it when we were playing pool, of course, because it was featured in The Color of Money. And so... Um, 
I, I, I was the guy that would always go out and just buy tapes. I used to make tapes. I had an entrepreneur type thing where I would make copies of tapes and all. So I go out and I use some of my tape money to buy this tape of Warren Zevon called, uh, the, all, the, the best so far or something like that. Became a huge fan. Love this song, Desperados Under the Eaves. Um, ain't that pretty at all. Lots of great stuff this guy put out. And, um, over the years, he ended up with, uh, very serious illness and ended up terminal. And he made music right up till the end. And, and this song was one of the last songs that he produced, and it's called Life Will Kill You. And it fits in perfect with the message that I'm teaching on this show all the time about making the most of your dash. We all have a terminal disease called life. I just want to give you one stanza from this song because it talks about inequality, and that's just the way life is. So it fits today's show. Again, John Adam is having a, a hell of a... a, a Uh, time nailing these songs to the episode without trying. Um, from the President of the United States to the lowliest rock and roll star, the doctor is in, he'll see you now. He don't care who you are. Some get the awful, awful diseases. Some get the knife, some get the gun. Some get to die in their sleep at the age of 101. Life will kill you, that's what I said. Life will kill you, then you'll be dead. Life will find you wherever you go. It's the truth. There is no perfect world for us. There is no guarantee that we will get equal results, even if we do pretty much the same things. Some people that die old men in their sleep at 101 live lives that you looked at and go, how did this person not kill themselves or blow up their liver with alcohol or you know something over the years? And some people that live very healthy lives drop over dead of a heart attack in their early 40s, like my best friend Hal Dodd, who passed away, I guess, seven years ago now, six years ago now. That's just the way that it is. So we have to get out there. And even though... The world seems hell-bent on trying to create equality and hell-bent on trying to destroy justice. And even though it seems like the world is full of injustices, it's still the case that those who do the most with their dash have lives that are worth living. Life will kill you, but life, guys, it's all we've got. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. You got an invalid haircut And it hurts when you smile It's the kingdom of the spiders It's the empire of the ants You need a permit to walk around downtown You need a license to dance Life will kill you That's what I said Life will kill you And then you'll be dead Life will find you Wherever you go, requiesce, got me watching, that's our host you know. From the President of the United States to the lowliest rock and roll star. 
doctor is in, and he'll see you now. He don't care who you are. Some get the awful, awful diseases. Some get the knife, some get the gun. And some get to die in their sleep. At the age of 101, life will kill you. That's what I said. Life will kill you. Then you'll be dead. Life will find you. Wherever you go, requiescating pace. That's all she wrote. Maybe you'll go to heaven, see Uncle Al and Uncle Lou. And maybe you'll be reincarnated. Maybe that stuff's true. Maybe if you were good, you'll come back as someone nice. And maybe if you were bad, you'll have to pay the price. But life will kill you. That's what I said. Life will kill you. Then you'll be dead. Life will find you. Wherever you go, requiescat and pace. That's all. 